This is B-Side Stories on Wellington Access Radio 106.1 FM. Uh, this is a show about the stories and the people that shape Wellington today. Uh, this is Rachel. I'm a new host with B-Side, so go easy on me. I'm joined in the studio today with a very special guest, Min Young Her. Min, how are you? Kia ora. I'm good. I, only, I just got up like 30 minutes ago, so... Oh, you're looking great. Oh, thank you. <laughs> How are you feeling about this? This is great. It's the only thing I'm doing today, so I feel oh, this like is... I've conserved all my energy just to have oh, a long chat. We're so excited for your energy for this. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so Min is a longtime friend of mine, mm. but outside of that, she's this <laughs> amazing, talented, young, multidisciplinary artist. Uh, she currently has a show on at PlayStation on Willow Street called Misang. Um, Misang's her first show in Puniki, but it's the first of many yet to come. I know it. Um, so, yeah, I thought before we talked about your show, mm. because that closes in a few days, right? When does yeah, that close? It cl- uh, the last day will be open is this Saturday. This Saturday, yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah, so before we talk about that and talk about maybe your inspiration and what it looks like, um, I thought we could just... Learn a little bit about you, Min, the artist. Oh my God. The woman behind it all. Um, so you're currently based in Fornike. I am. So it's, it's been recent, the change. Super recent. Yeah. But we met in Ototahi Christchurch. So do you want to tell us a bit about your upbringing? Mm-hmm. You know, what is what is home for you? Oh, Min? God, that's a load of questions. It's a very yeah, it's, it's a hard one. You can t- interpret it however you like, <sighs> Man. Maybe, maybe, I mean, were you, where were you born in like... Okay, okay, yeah, let's start from the very beginning. Yeah. So I was actually born in South Korea, in Gwangju. That's my hometown and my mom's hometown. And I remember like little bits and pieces of it. But I moved out um, with my mom and my two brothers around like 2003-ish. I think yeah. I was like four. So yeah. yeah, I was like four. My brother was like... Younger brother was like three. Older brother was like nine-ish, I think. Yeah. And we moved to Aotearoa because my mum wanted, like, us to live a kind of more calmer life, yeah. I guess, because South Korea is just hectic in all yeah. all different ways. So, so you yeah. landed in um, Lincoln, was it? Of all places. Lincoln it wasn't, all places. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't the first place we went to. We initially started off, <clears throat> excuse me, in um, Tamaki, but it was... Maybe too hectic. There's a lot of backstory there that I'm not ready to go into. That's okay. <laughs> it's like actually we'll like it it's like very fitting. It's very much like a K drama. There was like <laughs> there was like what's the word like um, bribing. There was deceit. Oh, oh god. There was oh. someone trying to steal money from my family. Like it was what? very yeah. It was it was kind of wild. Okay, I have no maybe, idea. Maybe you should pursue maybe a career. In, I should um, as a novelist. Yeah, right? I should. I should just write about my life under a different yeah. name. Um, so yeah, you were, and then you went from Tamaki to Lincoln. Actually, um, Tamaki to Otipoti, oh and gosh. then Lincoln, which is like God. the weirdest hopping around. You've had a really diverse um, yeah. experience. I don't yeah. remember half of it. My yeah. mum does. <laughs> I barely remember it. But yeah, and then we finally ended up in Selwyn, which yeah. is very, I don't know if um, many people know about the area. It's very small, very, mm. uh, well, you it used to be very like quiet, like 
the whole like oh everyone knew each other no one locked their doors at night and stuff like that because yeah, it was that just classic so image of yeah you know, of a neighborhood you know around classic yeah time. yeah so it was really really chill um i think when for the most part when i was growing up i was like one of the only um east asian families that were there yeah. there were a few that were like come and go over the years but i was kind of my family was kind of like one of the only ones so like um in lincoln primary and lincoln high school it was very much like people would confuse you with the international students <laughs> rather than like yeah. being how like, did that oh. impact you in terms of like being a new zealander this is like a call out to no i won't do that no <laughs> this is a call out to whatever teacher was there on my first day of high school i was kind of late because i was nervous and i didn't sleep well the night before so i came in and i was like kind of like I didn't know where I was going. I was lost. And this teacher saw me and was like, oh, what year are you? And I was like, what? What do you mean? And he was like, what What line do you need to go to? And I didn't know what to, I didn't know what he meant like, mm-hmm. by the question. So he was like, oh, just follow me. And then he like lumped me in with all the new international kids. And I was yeah, like standing there. It's almost there. like they see your face and they're yeah. like, oh, you're definitely other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, where are my friends? No. Where am I? And I mean, we've talked a lot about this. I mean, we sort of met under the guise of both... <laughs> being different and talking about our experiences yeah. as sort of a part of the Asian diaspora Absolutely. growing up in Aotearoa um, and you know we grew I guess we trauma bonded <laughs> over the fa- over over the aggressions microaggressions yeah, that we face yeah. in the community everyone always approaching us being like exactly. oh you speak really good English exactly or sort of just going cycling through all the different greetings in Asian languages mm. until they found mm. the right one mm. yeah. yeah yeah that was oh. Yeah. Sometimes I forget those things are not normal. <laughs> and then I'm no, like, no. And so, um, yeah, so that's, you know, growing up with that sort of dual identity, being in New, sort of mm. New Zealand, but also being Korean as well. Mm. Um, and you're an artist, you know, so how, how does that sort of part of your identity impact your art and just sort of your identity today? It's quite interesting because, like, you know, the really stereotypical stories about Asian. Um, families and Asian kids wanting to pursue something that's not like STEM, yeah. yeah, is like always like the parents are on the verge of kicking them out or like disowning them or things like that. Yeah, super, yeah, 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 that very, story. yeah, yeah, very yeah. intense. Um, but it was quite strange when, because I guess like I kind of internalized that to a degree, so I expected that from my mum. I kind of read everything that she did in that perspective even though mm. it wasn't because of all these mm. things that I had learned growing up so like there was a lot of tension because of that and because of like a misunderstanding that we didn't know was there but um my mum was actually very when I look back she was more than encouraging like she was always like in hindsight you're yeah like, hey, yeah way supportive yeah exactly yeah. like she was always there for me and she was always like I'm if you want to do it you do it but like give it your best shot like Mm. don't just like skirt around the edges or like ride off someone else's coattails or something like really understand what you're doing and why you're doing it Mm. yeah I'm pleased you sort of talked about your mum and I Mm. think that theme of family is something that's um prominent in your work yeah especially in your your new Mm. show as well but um just to sort of rewind a bit actually I kind of jumped the gun because I know (laughs) you but so you know you're an artist I Mm. mean like how how did you kind of come to find art as your thing your sort of mode of expression um yeah yeah, it was your calling I find it really strange when I think about it I'm kind of 
I like to joke around and be like, oh, the arts and the creative side, it runs in my my family. Like, yeah. when I look at my mum's side, there's actually, like, quite a lot of artists within her family that just never pursued it fully because of the time they grew up and, like, they needed money over pursuing their careers and things like mm. that. And I, like, it wasn't long ago that I found out exactly how prominent of a figure my granddad was on my on my mum's side like he was a in Korea yeah in Korea like he was a really he's a really renowned poet Whoa. and apparently we'd gone and visited some um like what do you call it like things to res- like pay respects to him like like a shrine type thing not a shrine but like they'll put up big like stone sculptures mm-hmm. with his poetry on it and like we visited them when we were kids but I didn't really really your granddad had a statue yeah in our hometown, he just says that means of himself. That carved out of stone. He's notable. <laughs> but yeah, but he he also like kind of only pursued his writing on and off because he had to yeah. support his family, and he yeah. was primarily a uh, what was he an English teacher. Yeah, but I guess that makes it even more beautiful that like you know. So he obviously was renowned for it and then obviously it was creativity in your family mm. but then you've been sort of encouraged by your mum and now yeah. you're at a place where you're pursuing art full yeah. time like that's like such it's a beautiful quite sort incredible of full story, to yeah? think about yeah because yeah my grandmother I think was also she wanted to be I don't remember what exactly but she was also very creative as well and like made heaps of clothes for my mum herself because it was one it was cheaper to make them rather than buy them but yeah. also she was able to like live out her fantasies by a creative... Are you living out your fantasies, man? I am. I think I am. I think if I told my, I don't know, 12-year-old self, this is what I'd be doing. Oh, that's, it's the like, best, that's the yeah, best Yeah, that classic. See, like, if you're living your dream, it's like, if you're talking to younger self, yeah, what would they say? And they'd be like, hey, you're living oh your dream. Oh, my God. I, I honestly, it's, I encourage everyone to kind of yeah. think like that, eh? Yeah, exactly. And it allows you to take stock of all the achievements mm. you've made and all the sort of personal development. Yeah, exactly. Because life is hard. You it know, is personal hard. relationships are hard. Figuring out what you want to do is mm. hard. Um, yeah, yeah, it's complicated. So oh, yeah. you even getting your license was hard. <laughs> <laughs> but that was a great, great Do we tell the story? Maybe another time. Another time. I feel like I would get sued by a certain company if I did. Yeah. No, yeah. Okay. Never mind. Um, and so you went to um, Canterbury University. For I arts, did. Right. I How did. was that? Like, sort of, you know, mm. learning the arts, practicing mm. arts through an institution. How mm. was that? It was really, really interesting. Uh, like, absolutely not what I expected. I think I was kind of thinking it would be a very, uh, what's the word like? a huge amalgamation of different things all at once, mm-hmm. which I, from what I hear, is how basically every other art school in New Zealand When you say things, yeah. do you mean, like, different art forms, different yeah, things, different sort of like paintings? Yeah, sculpture, yeah, different mediums and different, mm-hmm. like, techniques or skill sets and things like that. But, um, yeah, Island is still one of the only schools that are very conservative and traditional mm-hmm. with how they split their... Like, they have majors, whereas I'm pretty sure in other universities here they don't. Yeah. Um, but 
despite that, I was I found it really like a really amazing time. I look That's back good. on those years very fondly. Maybe we can ask you see to share this clip. And yeah, like, <laughs> I'm doing student free promo for yeah, you. Free promo. Yeah. And you know, I mean, this is true of all industries, but mm. art in particular, I guess, is mm. like network is key. Who you know mm. is key, and I mm. guess university gives you that space to meet mm. other artists who are as passionate as you. Yeah, exactly. Have you found that really useful? Do yeah. you keep in contact with everyone? Yeah, I. I when I initially like started like my first year second year I was such a little little scaredy cat like I didn't want to talk to people and I was like oh networking yeah that's so stupid I'm never gonna do that yeah it's got this sort of like it's like in this sort of glass box you know yeah. it feels like this really thing that only adults exactly it was so scary and like accessible yeah and so it wasn't until my final year that I really grew very close with my um my sculpture crew because sculpture was my major so I still keep in touch with basically all of them we're always kind of touching base with each other being like are you working on anything how's you know just general life things as well as encouraging one another to pursue whatever um proposals or projects or things they have going on mm. or in mind and it's, yeah, I love that my little family. Yeah, I definitely see yeah. that you have another family, your yeah. art family. Um, you know, so you sort of specialised in sculpture mm. when you were at UC. Mm. You eventually specialised in sculpture, and I guess I think a lot of your artwork now sort of encompasses those like principles and stuff. Mm, mm. Um, what I've noticed over the years of your art, um, which, by the way, you know, it's been featured from as south as Otipoti, <laughs> Dunedin to Japan... Um, I notice there's a lot of physicality to your art. Like yes. people can touch it, mm. and we'll talk about that mm. with your current show. Mm. That's also got some physicality to it. Is there a reason why you like to make your sculptures, your art, something that people can interact with, or I is think, that just sort of your style? Um, it's definitely like something that I thought about a lot. Uh, partially, it comes from that. I think everyone who's gone to a museum or an, or an art gallery kind of feels that really unhinged thought of like what if I just went and like squished it what if I went and just <laughs> broke something those like invasive thoughts yeah. I kind of love them I kind of find them really interesting and the fact that there's it's such a common initial first thought that people have was always really interesting to me yeah. so and then on top of that I you know the the whole discourse around uh, mm. the elitism in fine arts and yeah. particularly Talk the... Talk more about that. That's I don't want really, to. Hey. <laughs> no, I, it's okay. I, no, I don't a little bit. But um, the whole, like, white cube ideas where people set standards to how art should look, be presented, be engaged with, and it's all, you know, the rigidity of it. Mm. I When I was younger, I never... I always disliked that and I was always drawn to things like performance art mm. or um, other other means of sharing or engaging with creative experiences mm. and that kind of grew into what I'm interested in today, which is uh, uh, either very explicit or implicit uh, connection between bodies mm. whether that be bodies within like the audience mm. and then myself the artist mm. or the works in the audience or just yeah any yeah. combination of those things yeah because I find that like for 
for people engaging with art, for a lot of them, it feels um, like it's at a distance, right? Mm. Like, as you said, it's kind of like, oh, it's here. You yeah. know, for me, it's like, oh, you know, you have to see it within this art gallery. Mm. It's like, oh, you know, I have to stand at a distance, you know, mm. I've got to keep a distance, can't touch anything. Mm. Um, and I think your sort of approach to art with, you know, you creating things, allowing people to touch them, etc., mm. it makes it way more accessible and sort of inclusive as well. Yeah. And it makes it, you know, it makes art seem like, it's for everyone. Yeah. Um, as that, opposed yeah. to, as you said, like kind of for the elites. Or yeah. Um, that was always something like complicated as well because it's such a, it's such as, I was chatting with some other friends about it recently of how if, we feel like fine arts in particular, the arts and creative field is one of the only areas where we are, are expected to be for everyone no matter what we make. And we're expected to do all that labor, but not receive any compensation mm, or any yeah. acknowledgement or anything. It's just. And like, then if you do kind yeah. of like make things for sort of a corporate or whatever, yeah. it's like you're a seller. Immediately, or yeah. So it's such a it's like what's that complicated relationship and Monetizing expectation? That, yeah. yeah, that the general public, whether subconsciously or consciously, have a on you because it's kind of like oh you chose to be an artist yeah and so now serve us like, yeah, like a, it's like a part of that cliche of a starving art starving yeah artist which is yeah. yeah just um well i think that that's a really interesting discussion mm. about art and i think mm. that leads really well into your new sh- talking about your new mm. show that's playing um i thought perhaps before we dive into that we might just take a small break yes we're going to play So Long Underground by Hannah Everingham. She is a Ototahi-based mm. musician, um, and all her tracks are bops, straight up bops. I love you, Hannah. <laughs> See the ends up the hill Spike like a diamond Cut through the mat to get somewhere You know once you find it You know once you find it So long underground So long, Mary So long underground So long So So long 
Joining us on V Sides on Wellington Axios Radio 106.1 FM. You're joined by Rachel. I'm with a very special guest, Min. We were just talking a bit about um, her background, um, her interest in the arts, and sort of her thoughts about the art scene, which is really interesting. Mm. Um, and I'm sure we'll be a part of our discussion now. I'm really keen to hear about your show that's currently on at PlayStation on Willis Street. Um, the title is Me Sang. Mm. Um, I know it's on for a couple more days, and I yeah. really hope that the listeners go and see it on Willis Street. <laughs> but for those who won't be able to go in mm. and see it, would you like to just maybe describe in your words, you know, mm. what will they, what would they see if they mm. went in? Okay, everyone close your eyes and imagine <laughs> a large uh, fluorescent light lit concrete space, very mm. classic, artist-run uh, aesthetics, I feel, because it's you get the most bang for your buck, you know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I guess imagine a very long, very strange to place material that winds round and round on the floor and then reaches up to the ceiling and loops back down and back up and loops back down and crosses over in places and is looks almost so delicate that if you touched it, it would all fall apart. Mm. And then alongside that is a lovely forest green little booklet where my friend and flatmate Zach Hing and I collaborated and wrote... Well, Zach wrote the uh, little short story around a lot of the themes mm. and concepts that I'd been thinking about in preparation for the show. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I've I've been to your show, <laughs> and yeah, you walk in and you're like sort of amazed, you're in awe because you know Min spoke about how you see this sort of strange, hard to figure out what material. It's actually here. It's, it's my hair. <laughs> it's Min's hair. So Min has shoulder length before. Was it shoulder length? It was like a little bit past the shoulder. Yeah, a little yeah. bit. Shoulder. And mm. then um, it got all shaved off mm. and she braided it all into these, yeah, into braids. How long did that take and how many metres did you create from that? It actually didn't take as long as I thought it would. It took maybe about a month all up in terms yeah. of the cording and turning it into rope. Uh, oh, I actually didn't yeah. measure it when I finished. I should have, but I forgot. Um, before I'd finished, it was maybe about 60 metres. 60 metres. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'm good at math, but isn't that like a bit less than a kilometre? Oh, wait. Is it, <laughs> wait, is it, is it a kilometre, a thousand, or a hundred metres? Don't ask me math questions. What no. is it? Oh, just kidding. Just kidding, team. Um... <laughs> Well, um, 60 metres is, you know, that's, that's yeah. just 40 metres less than 100 metres. Yeah, it really is. It so really I is. You're absolutely imagine right. Imagine that. Um, so that's incredible. I, I didn't I could, I didn't know that your short hair would create I that know. much hair. Uh, Everyone braids. was so shocked. But, um, it, I know it weighed 155 grams because oh, my flatmates sure. and I thought it would be funny to yeah. weigh my hair. Um, 
Yeah, so that's just an incredible visual, and that's why, you know, I'm so glad that you described it. But, you know, there's also um, photos of it online mm. Um, mm. on the PlayStation, um, Facebook and Instagram, if you want to check it out. Mm. Um, but just, yeah, to take it back a bit, so the show's called Nisang. Mm. It's a Korean word, mm. which I believe means not yet lived. Yes. Um, why did why was that the title of the show? And sort of how does it resonate with you and mm. with what you put on? So I guess I've been thinking about this, sh- this, the things that are in the show for quite a few years now. I think I made my first, <laughs> my first hair rope maybe uh, towards the end of the first lockdown, so 2020-ish. Mm. And I, I'd held on to it and wondered, you know, like I, I felt like there was something in it that I wanted to explore, but I wasn't sure mm. what it was or why even. And I kept reading, kept experimenting, kept thinking, and I came to a point, I think maybe last last year, I'd grown, I'd, I had to move in back with my mum for a little bit um, just to save money. Mm. And I became a lot even more closer with her than mm. I was before. I we We talked a lot about... Her growing up, um, her childhood, and had you talked about that before? A little bit, but not to the extent I think we we discussed recently. Like, um, I don't know. I think maybe it's because I'm I'm older now as well, so I understand a lot of the feelings and reasonings as to why she did certain things. I understand those things so much more clearly and empathetically mm. now as opposed to when I was like a 16 year old yeah so yeah definitely yeah. growing up hey, yeah. I think teenagers always have a tension absolutely with um mm. their parents or their parent figures mm. um and we're sort of rebellious mm. um and I think you know on top of that mm. for us is sort of um sort of within the Asian diaspora mm. experience it's on top of being a teenager you're also trying to fight and understand each other through cultural exactly. differences as well, yeah. cultural and lingual. Because, yeah. you yeah. know, words mean the same, th- you know, on paper mean mm. the same thing, but in different language they it's carry so many, so st- such a different context yeah. as well, yeah. right? So, you know, you growing up, you're battling being a teenager, rebellious teenager, but also trying to understand her cultural mm. lens as well, through mm. which she was talking to you. Yeah, and that I think that was the main breakthrough, in a way, <laughs> with for our relationship. It was something something kind of clicked in my brain and I realized wait I have to uh perceive everything that my mum says within this um in this way Mm. because that is the culture she came from and that is her understanding of the world and all these other layers so I I don't know what happened but after that moment it just felt like everything was so much more it had so much more clarity. Mm. I wasn't always trying to guess what she really meant or like mm. what she was really going to try and make me do or things like that. It was just accepting what she was saying at its face value and mm. with honesty and just, yeah. And that honestly, yeah, it was like, it was conversations with my mum and um, learning even more about my, my family, my heritage, my yeah, mum's yeah, my famous grandfather. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, and things like that really made me, on one hand, a little, you know, a little sad because I never got to meet my granddad because he passed away before I was born. Mm. And then I only had a very short time where I could spend time with my grandmother because we moved um, to Aotearoa and she passed away maybe when I was Mm. like about nine. So it was a, yeah, and these other disparate elements I always wanted to find out more about, but I didn't know how. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's... Everyone's so, yeah, gone or spread out or, yeah. Yeah. So on top of that, uh, my interest in my family was also (laughs) during the lockdown, I didn't know what to do with myself. I didn't know how to spend my days. And I went down this insane, awful rabbit hole of true crime podcasts, (laughs) which I think... Everyone did. Oh, yeah, true crime. True crime as a genre really oh, spiked during the lockdown. It really did. It yeah, really had blew like Tiger up. King mm, and everything. Mm. Yeah. But anyway, I was listening to this one podcast. I don't even remember what it was, but they mentioned something about how hair can be used to uh, find a victim's oh. um, uh. a victim's matriarchal heritage, oh, okay. if lineage, yeah. if if um, the I think it was like if the root of the hair is still attached, the follicle is still attached or something, and then, yeah, because of the the mitochondrial DNA that exists yeah. within yeah, hair. Yeah, you talked about that in your oh, artist statement for the show. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, that that, and then alongside with that, and then my interest within um, my mother's side of the family, it, everything slowly started falling into place there. Mm. Yeah. That's so beautiful. And like, you know, as you said, you sort of discovered here mm. a few years ago and you're like, I want to do something more mm. with this. I feel so much potential. And it's just amazing that it's manifested into the show today. Mm. But it's such um, such, uh, such a spectacle because <laughs> if you do see the show, like it's, as Min says, like about over 60 metres worth of hair everywhere and it's um, 60 metres of braided hair everywhere. Mm. Um very meticulously placed as well. Mm, mm. Um, and you can kind of feel the sheer amount of effort, but also love, but also um, passion that went into it. Or Aww. thought. I'd say Aww. thought that went into it. Thanks. Because it, <laughs> it, you can hear it. You, like, you know, you're just yeah. talking about your show yeah. now. It was, it's so much more than just braided hair. Mm. You know? Yeah. So it was like, it was, I think that, I think that. I don't know what the terminology is, but I think it's something like cording. So, like, making rope, it takes this very simple process of, like, you have two strands of whatever material and you twist it Mm. and the tension um, binds itself, you know, within itself. Mm. So rope is, yeah. And while I was making it, there were all these off very comparisons that came up, which was obviously like, oh, it's like DNA, um, how DNA is visualised. Um, but on top of that, I was also thinking quite a bit about, I guess, how histories inevitably become mixed up, intertwined. Yeah, and, um, yeah. Because in your artist statement, mm. um, which you should post somewhere, <laughs> I think it's, it's on the PlayStation website. Ah, good, from good, good. what I know, yeah. Um, you talk about a thing called post. Post-memory? Yeah. Post-memory. And it really sort of, I can't really remember, but it's basically about how your past um, sort of catches up to your 
your current contemporary <laughs> self or something like that. Yeah, yeah. it's such an... I need to finish that book because I haven't after yeah. writing that, but it's such an interesting concept to me. It, it basically... It, I think it's like a... In a way, it's describing um, generational trauma, mm-hmm. I guess, but in a different sense where it's kind of... Not the traumatic aspects, but the the feeling that you don't really have a distinct um, physical identity almost mm-hmm. and your your memories and your thoughts are always seeking or based upon things you've heard from your family mm-hmm. things you've heard from your family about what was supposedly your your history mm-hmm. or your your cultural baggage and things like that yeah and I can kind of see that sort of sort of reflected in the braiding right because Mm. you're sort of weaving that in and Mm. also you know you're talking about how here itself you Mm. know you can link it back to your matriarch or something um yeah so I guess those themes of like family are literally weaved in and how your past is also your current and exactly and and vice versa as well um I've got a question about just sort of how you came to set up the show as well. Mm, mm. So, you know, you've, you're new to Wellington. Um, you moved only a couple months ago. Mm. Um, what was the process like coming um, to a new city and then setting up a solo show? Is it, it daunting or is it easy? Surprisingly easy. But mm. I say that because there were uh, crazier things going on in my life that somehow an exhibition a solo exhibition became the most calming thing. Because I don't, I don't know about you or anyone who's listening to this, but putting on a, a show, no least a solo show, with all the intentions on you, that mm. sounds very vulnerable. Yeah. It was a strange... I think at the very last minute, maybe like a few days before, I had a bit, I almost spiralled out. I was kind of... About the show? Yeah, I was like, oh my God, what if everyone hates it? What if everyone thinks I'm yeah. stupid? Oh God, oh no. Do you have that with all your shows? Yeah. Because you've had quite a few shows. Like, um, obviously when you're a student as well, you had a lot of showcases mm. and then, you know, you've had some others in mm. um, Otutahi mm. and Otipoti um, and Hamilton even. Um, and so do you always kind of go through that cycle of getting a bit, like, calm and then stressed out? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It's really strange. I think because this is my first solo show, it was a little different. Mm. My previous shows that you've um, sort of mentioned were mostly collaborations with my very good friend, Arissa Keen. I, If you're listening, I love you so much. Uh, so... I, it was kind of funny when you're working with a person, another person, because you you sort of switch how you feel, and you're like one person is suddenly like feeling really confused and doesn't know what the show is and thinks we should scrap it all, and then the other person's like, no, it's okay. Mm-mm. We 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 thought this and this. You have and each this. other. To yeah. Have each other. Yeah. Up. So it's it's very lovely. It's very much like a any other relationship almost. It's very it's very sweet. Yeah. It's a beautiful relationship. It really is. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, you know, how did you find the people to set up the show? Um, oh, uh, absolutely breezy. Perfect. Uh, I love the PlayStation team. Max is currently the facilitator, and yeah. he is also good friends with Arissa, which was Going back to the point funny. before, you know. Yeah, it's like, connections. It's, it's who you know. It is, which is both 
lovely and terrifying yeah yeah but yeah it was yeah max is absolutely fantastic so helpful and made the whole process very smooth and yeah it was just all around just a fun experience yeah yeah do you you feel like you have to be a confident person to be an artist because as i Mm. like as i was just saying like i feel as someone who's Mm. an artist or whatever that it'd be it'd be so terrifying to put yourself out Mm. there like that for everyone to see <laughs> Basically, it's yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I, do, do you think that requires like this uh, incredible amount of confidence, or is there something else override like your desire mm. to to share just overrides that fear? Yeah, I mean, to I think you need confidence at least within what you're presenting. Maybe mm. not confidence within yourself as a human being, but, but your product. Yeah, your but what your man, like thoughts so many are. times I in know. uni I'll be writing a paper and <laughs> right up until the end I'll be like, This is absolute crap. And so like, you know, that's kind mm, of a similar mm. thing. It's like I'm producing this product, I, mm. I, I I think it's absolute crap. Yeah. Whereas that you, so your equivalent is you're producing the show. Oh okay, maybe confidence isn't the right word. Maybe mm. it's like a low-level delusion, you know? Ah, so you're saying all artists are delusional. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. What are we doing out here? I made hair rope. Yeah, (laughs) that's true. Yeah, exactly. I made made over 60 metres of rope with hair. Yeah, I guess without context, that does sound a bit delusional. Exactly, so... Yeah, you're glorified. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I don't know, yeah. Confidence... But I think most things yeah. where you put yourself out there does require that sense. I want to say delusion, but just sort of... A level of yeah, just blind, confidence. blind confidence. Yeah, yeah. I think that's kind of the most meaningful sort of Aww. action is when you just sort of just put it out there, just yeah. I've got to do this. I guess so, yeah. I never really thought about that because I thought about it like in that way because I, I considered myself not a very confident person, I guess. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because I find you extremely confident in the way you put out your art. But yeah. then, you know, you describe me as a confident person. Mm. And I'm like, I wouldn't do that. Mm. So, yeah, you're right. I think it's just mm. context as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Um, mm. So, yeah, amazing work with me saying. Is oh, there anything you. anything up? Any projects in the pipeline? How do you find your inspiration? Um, Next show. Nothing in the pipelines currently. Uh, I'm thinking of... Well, in relation to the show that's on now, uh, Zach and I thought it would be really... Well, we thought it would be really funny, but also now we think it's really cool if we got the short story properly published. <gasps> so, yes. and you know people who publish... Well, not publish, <laughs> but distribute sort of yeah. niche books, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Should we say the no? Uh, <laughs> I think Blue Flower Text. Yeah, Blue Flower We love you. Love your Jane collection. Wallace. Yeah. Um, so we, we're currently thinking of doing that. We thought it would be really cute and fun and I, I want to support Zach and yeah and his push him writing. into That's right, we can yeah. have him next time on the show yes he's a budding writer oh incredible um hey thank you so much for sharing about me Sang um mm. and you know I'm also really keen to hear about your life in Pornike mm. and you know you don't just do sort of sculpture exhibitions mm. you also do something else I do that's why we call you more <laughs> artist um before we dive into that I think we'll take a break um get you some water as well oh thank you uh so we've got a track by mo etc called next october
back with B-Side Stories. You're joined um, by Rachel and our guest Min Young Her. Uh, this is Wellington Access Radio 106.1 FM. So Min, we were just talking about um, your show Missing, mm-hmm. which closes in a couple of days, mm. um, which is on uh, on Willis Street at PlayStation. Um, but let's rewind a bit. You know, you just moved... 
to Puneke, yes. which is amazing that you've already got a show on. Yeah. Um, how have you found Wellington, you know? Uh, pretty, pretty nice, yeah. I've been enjoying my time here, but also I haven't really had a chance to do anything because I moved here maybe almost... Almost three months ago now, I think. Mm. Uh, but during that first month, I got COVID. I got the flu. I got just really just absolutely crushed by Health-wise. life. Yeah, and yeah. I couldn't really, didn't really have the energy to do anything other than, I don't know, go for a walk down the street and then back. Mm-hmm. So, just, yeah, didn't really do much. Mm-hmm. And I'm still figuring out the city in terms of yeah. the layout and finding how my do, way around. How does it compare to all the other cities you've lived in in Aotearoa? Mm. You've lived in, yeah. you know, Otatahi, Otipoti. Mm. Personally, I find it really similar to Otipoti, which is, I think is very nice. I, I really enjoyed the two months I think I spent down there. Yeah. It was very, very nice, small town, but also got things to do. Small town mm. vibes. Um, Ashitahi, on the other hand, <laughs> mixed bag, mixed, mixed bag, bag. You know, yeah, yeah. So. Well, you know, controversial tag mm. or what? But I really do think that Ashitahi um, Christchurch has better Asian food. Oh my god, way better Asian that has food been, than yeah. Actually, than yeah. Here. Let's rewind that. Uh, <laughs> That has been probably the most disappointing thing about moving up here is oh. that there is no Let's good... tell it like it is, yeah. honestly. If anyone knows any, like, genuinely good soul food level of, honest, any any Asian cuisine, please message me. I need to know. Your, yep, your yeah. handle is, um, <laughs> yeah, Justin, um, yeah, get in touch. Please, oh, I no, need to same know. Here. Yeah. Same here, yeah. So that was disappointing. But I do really love the cafe culture here. I love yeah. the coffee and just pretending to live my little uh, drinking coffee, reading a smart it book is cute. life. It yeah. is cute. It yeah. kind of gives sort of, no, actually I have no idea. I've never lived in New York. But, you know, with that cafe <laughs> yeah, culture, it feels like you're out and about yeah. and you're bumping into people. Yeah. Um, and here in Pornike, you know, not only are you, like, pursuing your art mm-hmm. and putting on shows and stuff, but you also are... Tattoo artist. I am. Want to talk about that? Sure. So I am a self-taught tattoo artist. I do primarily hand poke, but have recently delved into pen machine work as well. Mm. Uh, I started out maybe just over two years ago towards the end of the first lockdown. A friend of mine had a bunch of materials on hand and was like, I told her I was always interested in tattooing and she went, oh, Go ahead, give it a go. Um, she is also currently. Did it not scare you that no, it's permanent? <laughs> absolutely not. The first tattoo I gave myself was on my hand, mm. and my current, uh, uh, my then partner was like, "Why would you do that? <laughs> Why? It's because of the hands you yeah. can see it, or because because it it's such fades? a such a yeah such an obvious place, I guess. And mm. for a first tattoo, you, they they were kind of like, "Wow, that's very." Daring. Very daring. Mm. Yeah, again, you know, mm. with the confidence, with the <laughs> low-key delusion. Um, is it still there? Is your... Yeah, it's still there. It's still kicking. Oh, it's kind surprising. of a nice reminder. It really is. Yeah. It's probably one of my favourite ones I've given myself. And um, you've been you've been doing tattoo um, artistry for a couple of years now? Mm, mm. Yeah. So initially in Otatahi, 
I was working with that friend who introduced me to it, uh, Ella Waswo. Uh, she's currently still down there and working. Um, so I highly encourage everyone to go to her. Her designs are beautiful. Her handle, I think, is Inkbug Tattoos. Beautiful. Yeah. So. Yeah. And then, yeah, at first it was just kind of a one-off thing. I would do friends' yeah, just tattoos for fun. for fun, for free, and then slowly I realised, oh, I can... Yeah, you've got quite an audience. Yeah, I can make money off of this. I can pay yeah. my rent with this. Ooh, Ooh, we love that. I know. Um, you know, and, you know, I look at you and I'm like, oh, I love, you know, you're such a creative. Oh. Um, and I love that you get to be so creative in the things that you do mm. and stuff. Um, but, you know, a lot of that is like, it's sort of like con- it's like contracting kind of stuff where it's mm. kind of like not necessarily stable. Eh? Like, yeah, yeah. Like, how are Absolutely. you finding that? It's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. When I had to take, I had to take a break um, because of COVID. Because mm. of after COVID, I my fatigue was awful, and it's still not quite there. So mm. having to balance that, and I think I took a month off, and now I'm trying to rebuild an audience here, and it's been a little bit of a struggle. Like I have yeah. the odd one or two per week so far. Like. Uh, appointments but it has uh, yeah it's been a little bit struggle street is it a matter of like marketing i honestly don't know yeah i have no idea how i don't know (laughs) i think it's like a weird double-edged what is it double-edged sword kind of thing where you need to have more clients so that you can showcase more of your work but in order to showcase more of your work you need more clients Mm. so it's just this yeah uneasy yeah place to be in but it's going good well, it's going okay. It takes a lot of strength to kind of power through that, you know? Yeah. Mm. Um, and, you know, you design all the – you design everything yourself, mm. um, which is great because it's another way for you to sort of yeah. – as a creative outlet. Mm. And it's a bit different from, you know, the shows that you put on mm. as well. Mm. You do sort of illustrations exactly. and stuff. What? Wh- how do you find inspiration for the illustrations? It's been – so I haven't been drawing very much until I started – doing tattoos so like before uni I was I I thought I was going to be a painter so I was drawing a lot I was painting a lot and then I got into uni and I was like oh no absolutely not Mm -hmm. and then yeah it wasn't recently I started drawing quite a bit again because of tattooing so it's been this very um what's the word uh stream of consciousness almost Mm, yeah sometimes I watch you and you're just like continuously drawing yeah so it's been really just like a nice practice in letting my brain do whatever it wants to do. Mm. Yeah. And then on top of that, I occasionally become inspired by other elements such as like Korean cultural uh, motifs, designs, uh, other artists that I'm really interested in. Mm. So I have a Flash series called, you know, just an artist series and Mm. it's different works based on other artists. And then I have a media series where it's, Flash is based on media that I've consumed, whether that be books, movies, or music. Mm. It it warms my heart so much that you get to sort of consume around you and you get to kind of also have an outlet for Mm. that as well, you know. Mm. Um, Where can people find you for your tattoo art? People can find me either on Instagram at holdup.a.min or uh, my website, which is the same. Hold up a 
cool. Yeah, I and think, honestly, yeah. like, I love your design. <laughs> the amount of times I've been like, I want this. But then I'm like, I don't know where to put it. And I'm, like, scared and I'm, yeah. Um, hey, look, man, it's been yeah. amazing talking oh, with it. you today. Mm. And it's been amazing to touch on so many different mm. topics, you know, um, from your art, your mm. background, to your, inspira- mm. uh, yeah, your influences um, and what you're doing here. Mm. Um, before we wrap up, I thought I could ask you a very selfish question. Um, you know, I'm new to Poniki, mm. um, and I'm on the hunt for my favourite places. Could you, do you have a favourite spot? What, what, is there a place that feels like home to you in Poniki? place that feels like home? Haere Mai. <laughs> <gasps> yes. Haere Mai. And also, for, for context for those who don't know, which you mm. should know, it's a Korean supermarket on which road? Uh, oh God, I don't actually know what road that is. Willis? Well, is that Willis, Willis Street? Well? Oh, all the best things are on Willis yeah. Street. Also, your show. Yeah. <laughs> I love that answer. <laughs> thank you so much, Min. Thank you. Um, so, thank you, Min, for coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we'll close off today's episode of B Side Stories here. Um, to f- wrap up, we're going to play Mitch Zachary at Min's request. He's got a track called A Change of Heart. He's currently a Poniki mm. musician. Can we also play the other one too? If we have time. Okay, we'll put it on. Okay, thank, you. thank you so much for listening to B-Side Stories on Wellington Access Radio 106.1 FM.
That program was brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Thanks New Zealand On Air for funding accessmedia.nz.